Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. I've been doing a lot of thinking and studying over the last few weeks about emotions. And uh, if we're ever going to become everything that we can be in Christ Jesus, we need to learn how to manage and control our emotions. I touched on this a little bit last Wednesday night during our prayer meeting uh, time, and I shared then that we need to learn to control our emotions or our emotions are going to control us. So often we run into people who live their lives on a on an emotional roller coaster. They're up one day and then down the next and then up again and down and up and down. And uh, so today I'm going to begin a series of messages on emotions. And uh, this morning I'm going to begin by talking a little bit about insecurity or having a, a poor self-image uh, but I'm not going to give you a bunch of psychological theories. I'm going to give you rock-solid truths right out of the Word of God. And I hope and pray that they'll be encouraging uh, to you. The title of my message, what I called it, is All I Need. And as I thought about that and as I began to study, I wish I had said All I Need and More. Because we have way more than we could ever need. And uh, God has supplied us with tremendous blessings. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, it, uh, I mean, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us acceptable in the beloved. And I wonder if we might just pause for a moment and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the Apostle Paul. I thank you for this tremendous letter to the church at Ephesus. And I just ask you, God, to teach us from it uh, this morning. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, the key phrase in that passage is in Christ or something similar to that. If you go back and you look, starting... In verse 3, it talks about the heavenly places in Christ. He has chose us in Him without blame before Him. 
Adoption is sons by Jesus Christ. His will, and over and over and over again, he's talking about being in Christ. Now that word in is just a very small preposition, but sometimes small keys can open a pretty large door. Amen? And so I believe that this understanding of being in Christ will open up a tremendous door that we might be able to uh, go through that and know who we are in Christ Jesus. The reason I think we find so many people in the world today that uh, have such a poor self-image of themselves, and even sometimes in the church we find people that have a poor self-image of themselves is because I believe they never really grasp, they never really understand what it means and who we are to be in Christ. And I think that the church sometimes unwittingly uh, plays a part in that misunderstanding about who we are in Christ Jesus Uh, We preachers, we like to talk about a lot of different subjects. Let me just share a few of them with you. All we like sheep have gone astray. That's not very uh, flattering that we're like sheep and that we often go astray. We always go astray. There is none righteous, no, not one. Here I am telling each and every one of you that you are unrighteous. There are none righteous, no, not one. But we are all an unclean thing, the Bible says. But we and all our righteousness are like filthy rags, the Bible says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And even in some of our songs, uh, we didn't sing it this morning, but I wish I'd have thought about it to have Brother Phil uh, sing this. You know this one? Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? Now if you look in your uh, hymnal here, I think we have the 1975 edition of the Baptist hymnal. And in that hymnal, it does say, for sinners such as I. But until 1975... The words that, uh, that Isaac Watts penned for that song was such a worm as I... How many of you remember that? As such a worm as I... And that kind of sometimes uh, defines who we are and how we think about ourselves. Uh, and and uh, understanding that, man, I'm just a sinner and, and, and there's no good thing that dwells in me and all of those kinds of things. Now, folks, listen to me. There is a purpose for teaching those types of things. Because understand this. Most lost people have no idea that they're lost. Did you know that? Most lost people have no idea that they're lost. They, don't know, they know that they do things that are wrong from time to time, but they don't understand why. They think that their destiny is determined by whether we do more good things than bad things. Or if we do more bad things than good things, then our destiny is not going to be good. But all of that kind of stuff 
refers to our condition before we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All of that changes when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And this is what I want you to understand this morning, that Christianity is not some kind of grand behavior modification effort. It's not some kind of thing that helps us, that we need to get better so we can be acceptable to the world or acceptable to God. Folks, let me share with you this morning that God doesn't work from the outside in, but He works from the inside out. God doesn't modify our behavior in order for Him to change us. He changes us from the inside, and that modifies our behavior. The book of Ephesians, on which we're studying this morning, uh, explains and substantiates that kind of truth probably as clearly as anything in all of Scripture. If you study through the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 tells us who we are in Christ. Chapters 2 and 3, they tell us how we can become who we are in Christ. And chapters 4 through 6 tells us how we then are supposed to live now that we are in Christ. Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But folks, listen to me. The truth doesn't, nor will it ever, set you free until you know it. Amen? We have to know the truth. We have to understand the truth. We have to embrace the truth. You probably heard the report about the marine biologist at the University of uh, Oregon that uh, he did a study with the great northern pike. And he took this northern pike and he put it in a, an aquarium. And uh, after he let that pike swim around a bit in the aquarium, he took a bucket full of minnows and he dumped it into the aquarium. And of course, that northern pike, he began to gorge himself on all of the minnows, and he ate them and ate them and ate them until they were all gone. And then the marine biologist, he took some clear glass cylinders and placed them down in that aquarium. And when he put the minnows in, he put them inside the glass cylinders. And the pike saw the minnows and, were try and was trying to eat the minnows, but every time he'd bump into the glass uh, cylinder. He'd bump into the glass cylinder. He'd bump into the glass cylinder. And that went on for two or three days, and pretty soon the pike quit trying. He quit trying to find the minnows at all. And then the marine biologist removed the glass cylinders, and those minnows swam all around that pike, and he never, ever ate a one of them. And he died there of starvation with all of those minnows swimming all around him. I'm telling you today that God has given us tremendous and wonderful 
promises and blessings that he's given to us and we are so hungry for God to do something in our lives and he's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in all of heaven and we just swim right past them and we are slaves to the fact of a false perception that we cannot have them, that we cannot reach them, that we cannot enjoy them. I think I can say with almost certain assurance that the average Christian does not understand who he is or who she is in Christ Jesus. Just like that pike, all of these blessings are surrounding us and we are slaves to a false perception that they can't be ours. We are in Christ and He has blessed us tremendously. Let me share with you three things this morning that I believe that everyone longs for in life. I believe all of us need some kind of significance in our lives. We need, we need a, a purpose, a sense of purpose, that, that life means something. We all are in search of significance. We're also in a need or in search for sufficiency. We need to have a sense of provision in our lives that we'll be able to do the things that we desire to do. Significance and sufficiency and security that we'll have a sense of protection in our lives that we can go about and do the things that we desire to do. Now, I want to share with you three things this morning, I believe, and that will help us in each of those areas and will, I pray, become a great encouragement to you and I pray would be a key to open a great door that would bring you, help you to come into that abundant life that Jesus Christ came and died to offer to each and every one of us. The first thing that I want you to notice this morning in this passage that I just read is that we need to recognize our righteousness. I want you to recognize your righteousness. The, the, the Paul, in the very beginning... He says that he's addressing this. He wrote to the saints who are in Ephesus. <clears throat> Did you know that you are a saint? The world can be broken down into a lot of different categories, but you can also break it down into just two. There are only two kinds of people, the saints and the ain'ts. And, and sometimes we forget that we are a saint Together in Christ Jesus, you are, you're either fully saved or you're not saved at all. There are no special categories in the Christian life. A lot of times people think that there are different levels of Christianity and that's just, that's not true. You're either saved or you're not saved. And the Bible teaches that when we are saved, that He has provided for us every single thing that we need. Every born-again believer in Jesus Christ is a saint. All believers are called saints in the New Testament. So, if you like, you can address me as St. Russell. Amen? 
there's St. Dennis standing over, sitting over there. We're all saints. We're, we're, we're saints in Christ. And that we are so, not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. It's unfortunate that so many Christians never really come to grips or understand their sainthood. Now listen, listen to me. If you are believers in Jesus Christ, and when I say believers in Jesus Christ, this is what I mean. You believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe that He died to pay the penalty of your sin. You believe that He rose from the dead on the third day. You believe that He ascended to the right hand of the Father. You believe that one day He is going to come again and receive us unto Himself, that where He is, we may be also. And you confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Now, if you do those things, if you believe those things, the Bible teaches that you're saved and you're a part of the family of God. You're a child of the King. Now, let me quickly say that doesn't mean that we are sinless. That doesn't mean that we never sin. It doesn't mean that we're sinless, but what it does mean is that we are blameless. I want you to look at verse 4 in this book, Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 4. It says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without what? Blame. That we should be holy before the foundations of the world. God chose you that you would be both holy and blameless in Christ Jesus. And uh, now, understand that uh, God has done something tremendous for us and He has chosen not to impute upon us the sins that even sometimes we commit. I want you to keep your place here and in Ephesians and I want you to turn over to the book of Romans chapter 4, and I think Paul, uh, Paul, listen to me, uh, Thomas, Doubting Thomas and the Apostle Paul. Okay, but Paul said to us in the book of Romans, Paul, uh, <laughs> Thomas, book of Romans, chapter 4, starting in verse 2, look what it says. Let me find my glasses. Sometimes I can read it, sometimes I can't. All right, verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. In other words, if you are going to depend on whether or not you're good enough, if you're going to depend on whether or not you, you, you have sin or not, all of that is counted as, as uh, debt. But if you count, if you're depending on faith, then it's counted as righteousness. Notice what it says in verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. 
just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from the works. Blessed are those who, uh, whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Folks, when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus cloaks us with His righteousness. It's not our righteousness, it's His righteousness. And when God looks upon you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when God looks upon you, all He sees is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're saints. That's the reason we can depend on Him. He made Him uh, in the book of First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, And verse 21, he says, He made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There's that in him again. I believe the way we see ourselves. I don't know if you do or not. But I believe the way we see ourselves has a lot to do with the way that we act, the things that we do. Obviously, there are exceptions to that rule, but most of the time, generally speaking, people who have a poor self-image of themselves don't expect a lot from themselves, and they don't accomplish much for themselves or much for anybody else for that matter. They just get by by living their lives and dealing with the things that come day at a time, they're slaves to their own emotions, and they never really gain control of who they are. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you know what is one of the most common descriptions that Christians have for themselves? Let me tell you. Tell me if you've ever heard this before. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. How many of you said that? Raise your hand. Come on, I know more people than that said that. Yeah. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And you know what? You know what? That is so true. That's exactly. If you're saved, you are a sinner saved by grace. But that's not all you are. Amen? Can you imagine what, if we really believe that our self-image determines some of the things we do. How many of you have ever said this? Now this I won't be surprised. I may be surprised. I don't know. How many of you said, if somebody asked you to describe yourself as a Christian, how many of you said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ? Nobody. Nobody. But you know what? That is just as much true as I'm a sinner saved by grace. It's just as true to say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. That's what Jesus came and did. He came and died for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become 
the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who we are. And folks, dear friends, listen to me. I want you to realize that you're not just a sinner saved by grace, but you're a child of the King. <laughs> you're a part of the Holy, the holy Family, the divine, you're a part of the Holy Divinity. We are a part of God's family. We're heirs with Christ to the kingdom of God. That ought to excite you. Man, I got excited this morning in singing those songs. And, but, and by the way, I like that song, that extra song that you had her play. That was, that was, but you know what? It would have made it even better if you'd have just sung it along with it. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. See, he gets on to me all the time. I can get on to him too. And uh, I love that guy. I love him. Uh, he, he, I'm not going to bring you up and, and, and put my arm around you. I'd have to go like this. But uh, uh, I appreciate you and all you do. But I want to be excited. I want you to be excited about who you are in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God. Oh, man. You are a child of the King. We need to recognize our righteousness and when we recognize our righteousness, number two, we can begin to rely on our resources. Let me ask you another question. How many of you can say, I have all the love I need. I have all the patience. Oh, you don't have to pray for patience for me. I have all the patience. I have all the courage I need. Wisdom, peace, faith, all that I need. Would you believe me if I told you you really do? You do? In verse 3, look at verse 3. We're back in, we're back in uh, Ephesians now. Look at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And there's those words again, in Christ he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. He's already given us to us. R.A. Torrey, who is a tremendous theologian, he phrased that statement this way. He says, we have an inexhaustible source of everything we need in Christ. Did you know that? You have an inexhaustible source of everything you need. There is a reservoir. There is a storehouse of blessings that God has for each and every one of us. 2 Peter chapter 2, or 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that God in his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we have everything we need. Let me say that again. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we have every single thing that we need to accomplish everything that God has called us. To do now, let me uh, kind of illustrate that a little bit. 
in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, at verse 3. Remember now, Moses is dead and Joshua has been chosen as the new leader of the people of Israel. And he's going to lead them. He's getting ready to lead them into the promised land. And God speaks to Joshua and he says, Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given unto you. Let me, let me say that again. I have given unto you. Now you see what that means is that God had already given it to Joshua. He had already given it to the people of Israel. He had already given that land to the people of Israel. It already given, but but Joshua, they had to go in, and it says every foot, every place that the sole of their feet touches, I have already given to you. But they had to go in; their feet had to touch it. They had to go in and possess that which God had already given them. Now, friends, you're children of the King. You're heirs to the kingdom. And He has given you everything that you need to possess the things that, that you desire in life. There have been times when people have asked me, do you have a, have you, especially people from a Pentecostal background, if, if you're familiar with the Pentecostal background, you'll understand. They've asked me, have you, uh, have you received the second blessing? You know what I'm talking about? Have you, in other words, have you been filled with the Spirit? Have you been, do you have the gifts of the Spirit? Have you, and I tell them, yes, I have. I received the second blessing, and the third blessing, and the fourth blessing, and the fifth blessing, and the sixth blessing. Let me tell you something, folks. God has blessed me with every blessing under heaven. And he has you too. He has you too. We need to start relying on the resources. Let me give you another illustration. In my home, I have, I don't know, I haven't counted them, but I would say somewhere between 700 and 1,000 books on shelves in my house. People sometimes come in and say, have you read all those books? <laughs> I said, no. I haven't re- I've read a lot of them, but I haven't even come close to reading all of them. I've read parts of some and parts of others. Some I've read all. But listen, this is the thing. I haven't read them all, but hey, they still belong to me. They're still mine. Amen? If you come and take it, you're stealing from me. Unless I give it to you. They're all mine. But have I received all the good out of them? No. Are they all working for me? No. Listen to me. Listen to me. Every blessing in heaven has been given to you. Every one of us. If you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, that's what he says. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Blessing in the heavenly places. All of those blessings are yours. 
But like the books on my shelves, some of them have gone unused. They're still yours, but they're just unused. I want to share with you, boy, if we could ever just get to the place where we recognize who we are in Christ Jesus and begin to use the resources that he's given us, what a difference we could make in the world in which we live. The last thing, and I'll be finished. We need to rest. Not only do we realize our righteousness and rely on our resources, but we need to rest in our relationships. We need to rest in our relationship with Christ. Look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. How desperately people want acceptance and security. Only, I think, a crazy person longs for rejection. Who, who wants rejection? We're... We long for acceptance and security and love. May I share you some phenomenal news this morning? God loves you. <laughs> Amen. God accepts you the way you are. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I've done. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love toward us and even while we are yet sinners, he allowed his son Jesus Christ to die for us. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter who you are. I want to share with you this morning that God loves you. And if you would receive him, if you would accept him as your Lord and Savior, then you will become a member of the heavenly household and you would become a receiver of every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Oh, friends, listen to me. God cares about what you're going through right now. Sometimes we go through things and... and uh, we think that we're dealing with it all by ourselves. But you have a God that loves you and cares about you. He knows you by name. And he's interested in your life. He wants you to know that he loves you so much that he gave his son to die for you. And he wants to bless you far beyond anything that you could ever imagine God has for you. Oh, please, this morning, recognize who you are in Christ. Rely on the blessings that He wants to give you. And then rest in the promise that uh, you are indeed one of His. What a great Great promise that is.
Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our time together today. I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, I thank you that every single person here is a person whom you love and for whom you allowed your son to die. Oh God, I pray that we realize who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, and the security that we have in him. Oh God, move in our hearts this morning. Touch people's lives. Help them to know your presence. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.